Hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and joining me from across the pond, William. Thanks for being hey. here. Hello, thanks for having me back. Love getting to talk about this stuff. Because uh, there's all sorts of things going on this time, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There's, there's lots to talk about. What I want to know, though, as we record and as our listeners hear this now, you should have or may have a new iPhone in your hand. So will you have a new iPhone in your hand as people listen to this? Oh, no. No? Because I'm in the UK. Uh, delivery time slipped uh. faster here than just about anywhere. Although uh, a reader emailed me from, I think he said he was Sweden, and he's got to wait months for his. Uh, my, I, I ordered within moments of it going live, but I will not see my iPhone Pro, 12 Pro, until the 9th of November. What? Yeah. So now, now pre-orders in the UK, they went live the same time as here, right? So it was 8 a.m. Yes. 8 a.m. Eastern here, and it would be one there? Exactly that. Yeah, well, it was a couple of nights after one, actually. I was hitting refresh like mad, trying to get through to it. Uh, I was going through the app, and it had lots of problems, so I went back to the website. So that delayed me uh, by a good 20 seconds, and it was enough. That's the thing. Now, do you do, like, a carrier plan, the iPhone upgrade plan, or you just buy it outright? Uh, this time, I just bought it outright. And it's still a while. Uh, I, I could, if I... Done in-store pickup, I could have got it on the 23rd, but um, there are issues here, coronavirus, lockdown, is it on, is it off? Um, my wife is slightly vulnerable, so I avoid going into the city centre to get it. So I opted for delivery, and as I went through the process, the delivery was going to be the 23rd, and then it was going to be November the 2nd, and by the time it actually came through the order, it said, naps the 9th, live with it. Oh. So, yes. But well, I'm sorry, you will not have one. As listeners are listening to this, you don't have one. But what, just curious, what color and what size did you choose? 256 gigabytes, uh, iPhone 12 Pro, and of course it had to be blue. Ah, went with the new blue. Okay. Are, are you going to have a, a new iPhone by the time this is out? Yes, yes, I will. And because we record Thursday, no matter how late Thursday we record, I would, it would not be here. But mine arrives tomorrow as you're listening to this today usually comes early to mid-afternoon i have a white iphone 12 pro or silver as apple calls it and i went all the way with a 512 because i'm going to maybe be using it for more video than i have in the past i really want to try that hdr and see how that video quality does but i will have it and i will also be maybe even testing 5g speeds which we'll talk about in a moment in some places around here in central florida that supposedly have 5g and i would love to hear from you uh, what kind of 5g is available by you but before we get to that did you get any cases like magsafe cases or anything like that no i'm thinking about the the magsafe puck kind of thing uh i actually i know i shouldn't but i try not to have a case at all because i really like iphones without cases uh only once in all these years has that been a disastrously stupid mistake uh the rest of the time i'm all right so i avoid it but i'm constantly torn uh do you have a case that you got and would recommend uh well so actually i have two cases and the magsafe puck right here in my hand these actually came very early the cases actually came sunday so you know pre-orders were friday the cases arrived sunday along with the magsafe puck so very fast but i usually like the leather cases that apple makes and those were not released yet supposedly those might be coming in november the leather cases for the 12 12 pro one thing that threw me for a loop is the 12 case now It is actually both for the normal size iPhone 12 and the 12 Pro. So when you go to order a case, 
There's just one case size for the regular 12 or 12 Pro. I didn't know that. Because when I ordered it and I did like a double take and I was like, wait, did I order the right one? And if you go on Apple's website or in the app, it'll say silicone case for iPhone 12 slash 12 Pro. So they're actually the exact same physical dimensions this year. Uh, You know, last year, the regular 11 was larger than the smaller Pro, but not the case. So interesting uh, point of information. But I got the white silicone and I got the clear... Apple case. I'm holding them right now in my hand. Because the clear case has this white MagSafe ring, this might be one of the most unattractive Apple cases I've ever seen. (laughs) It's just, I don't understand. Now, I'm getting a white-backed iPhone, so maybe that white MagSafe ring will blend into the phone. I'm not sure, but but I got these two. I'm going to try them out. Mine have speaker holes. There was actually images online of some iPhone 12 cases not coming with speaker holes for some reason from Apple, directly from Apple. So that was very strange. Mm. One interesting part is the silicone case has the speaker holes, but there is the case goes all the way around the bottom. The clear case from Apple that does not have all the way around the bottom. There's actually the opening at the bottom, similar to the Apple leather cases for previous models. So it is open at the bottom rather than closed all the way across with speaker holes. So curious about that. We'll see if I... I don't know if I prefer one or the other, but they're there. One thought, and this is an early thought, and also in relation to MKBHD had a video, and he had a similar thought where the magnet is not super strong, at least against the case by itself. And he even said it's not very strong even with the phone in the case. So curious how close you actually have to get in order for it to line up correctly. And so that will remain to be seen when when we actually get the phones, but... Anyway, that's what I have coming. I have the cases now. I have the MagSafe charger. So, yeah, I'll be tweeting photos of it prodigiously as uh, <laughs> when it comes in. Yeah, okay, I'll really enjoy that. That'll be just great. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I, I have a fact that, that doesn't seem to be picked up anywhere else. I, I okay. spent a very long time deciding, because I have an iPhone 11 Pro. Uh, I assumed if I bought one, it would be the 12 Pro, but then they're so similar the 12 and the 12 Pro. I spent a right. great deal of time working through it all. And in the end, I think ultimately was the lenses and the camera for the video that did it. And then the more RAM I felt justified but, and LiDAR be night and all that stuff. But also uh, the iPhone 12 Pro is brighter than the iPhone 12. Oh. 800 nits instead of 625. And right. I'd like a bright phone. So there you go. That That's worth hundreds of pounds more. <laughs> well, and so let's talk about some of those differences because there's been more articles come out about the cameras, specifically on the 12, 12 Pro, and 12 Max. So one of the things that I was sweating over, choosing between the Pro and the Pro Max, and you know, I have a two-week return window. Who knows? I might change my mind. But the camera difference, especially between the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max, we talked about it on last week's episode briefly. The Max does have a 47% larger camera sensor on the main default camera, which Apple calls the wide camera. And it has that optical image stabilization on the sensor rather than the lens, which they say allows for more movements per second. But there have been kind of more in-depth articles. Austin Mann, which he is a well-known photographer, he kind of does the big iPhone camera review, goes to some distant locale and takes pictures. He actually did his review of the iPhone 12 Pro, and I'll put a link in show notes to his review. He takes incredible photos uh, with the iPhones every year. And, you know, he says even the low light is actually even much better, just 11 Pro to 12 Pro. Obviously, we don't even have the Max to test right now, but he says there's noticeable difference, especially in low light. The ultra-wide camera 
on the iPhone 12 Pro now also can do night mode. And he actually found that feature to be beneficial. He's got some great images from that camera sensor. So as I read about all these changes, I was like, you know what? I think I'm still going to stick with a smaller size. I just can't get my hand around the Max, literally. It's just too big for me when I've tried it in the past. And so I'll put several links in show notes to Austin Mann's photo review of the iPhone 12. He's going to review the Pro Max, and he's excited about that. As I scrolled through my camera roll, I realized... I'm not a professional photographer, and a slightly larger sensor is probably not going to aid my pictures in any way. Oh. Well, you know. I'm shooting a lot more video than I ever did, and uh, the more I heard about the Max's uh, extra... I I was briefly tempted, but I had an iPhone XS Max that I'm trading in now, and it's just... It is... It's too big compared to for me, so... Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. One other point on the cameras and stuff, Halide... Is a you know well-known photography app on the iPhone. You know how if it gives you manual controls for like focus exposure. A lot of professionals use it. Austin Mann also talks about how he used it. They just updated their app yesterday. As you listen to this, so check out the new Halide Mark II app. It gives you even more controls and features in one app, taking photos. So if you get one of those iPhone 12 Pros tomorrow, unlike William, sorry, try out the Halide Mark II app. I'll put a link in show notes and show us what pictures you get to capture with that. Yeah, if you're really sorry, you'd be sending me your ipad like you keep promising but no no it's fine <laughs> i gotta wait till the new one you know the ipad air came out and you know maybe we'll talk about that i know wes actually ordered one and so his should be coming in yeah as you listen to this episode and so i'll have him on next week and he'll talk about the ipad air which is a very interesting device but what i'm really curious to talk to you about william because you have the across the pond knowledge about 5g mm. now uh, a couple things that I have discovered about 5G since last episode. A couple things. So number one, I'm on AT&T here in the United States. And both AT&T and Verizon actually have only specific plans that offer 5G connectivity. And so if you're here in the United States and you're getting an iPhone 12 or 12 Pro today as you listen to it, Friday, October 23rd, you might want to check your carrier plan. I was on an AT&T Unlimited plan that I had switched to really just in the last four to six months. And that newer Unlimited plan didn't offer 5G. I actually had to change the kind of Unlimited plan to one of their new ones so that I could access 5G speeds. So if you're on Verizon or AT&T here in the United States, check your plan. Actually make sure if you have 5G capabilities with that plan. But also, I don't know if you saw any of these videos, William, but... Tech reviewers like Joanna Stern from the Wall Street Journal and Neelai Patel from The Verge took their Verizon iPhone 12s out on the streets. <laughs> Joanna Stern went to, I believe it's Giants Stadium in New York City or Jet Stadium. Maybe it's one and the same. But she went to the middle of the stadium. Neelai Patel went to the streets of New York City. And they basically got up to like 2,000 megabits down on Verizon 5G ultra wideband millimeter wave signal, which just seemed insane to me. Yeah. So... I have AT&T. I'm going to be trying out 5G speeds here in Florida. Orlando, Florida supposedly has their 5G Plus, which is AT&T's name for their ultra-wideband 5G millimeter. So that's the other thing. They call it different things. Verizon calls 5G nationwide like the slower regular 5G, and then 5G ultra-wideband is the faster millimeter wave technology. AT&T calls it 5G and then 5G Plus, 
5G Plus being the ultra wideband, which is ridiculous. Also, AT&T has been putting 5GE yeah. on iPhones since last year, which is just crazy making. That is not 5G, just so you know. And then T-Mobile, they do not have a millimeter wave network just yet. They're all in on the like sub six slower 5G connection. And so they just say they have the largest quote unquote 5G network, but it's all that slower speed. So anyway, that's the case of 5G here in America. William, tell me about 5G in the United Kingdom. Yeah, must I? <laughs> yeah. Do you even have it? Previously on 5G, just a few weeks ago, <laughs> Mike Worsley on Apple Insider was telling me that 5G in the UK is far further advanced than it is in the States. And you can understand why, because it's a smaller country, you can roll out the, the infrastructure quicker. Great. Except right where I am this moment, there is no 5G reception at all. Uh, it is coming. Uh, I'm on a service called 3, and I realized, actually, because I haven't got 5G, I didn't even look to see what the plans were. I'm just carrying on with what I've got, and I'll figure it out later. But uh, I may not actually bother with 5G, because outside the US, you can't get millimeter wave. So I will never get 200 billion megabits per second or whatever it was from some <laughs> football stadium kind of thing um that really knocks me actually i mean the fact that it isn't here where i am fine it's going to be coming uh, three is rolling out really well i was quite surprised that it wasn't where i am near birmingham city center but that apple have decided to just know uh to the the thing really the only 5g you actually want is millimeter wave wave one the rest is just right you know a toy 5g so i yeah. i bought a 5g phone that isn't a 5g phone and i haven't got 5g in it so thank goodness the cameras are better <laughs> so even in mainland Europe, is there any plans for millimeter wave? There's plenty of 5G, and there are plenty of other phones that do have millimeter wave uh, stuff. It's just, it's patchy within the UK. And even if you have got it, uh, you are physically, technically never going to get the greater speed because of Apple's decision. So I'd love to know what they're thinking is when they're boasting about being able to do 5G in so many places, but they're taking away the only 5G that matters. I find that annoying and i did find that out before i ordered but only just so so you're so, so i'm sorry you're saying they're like the european version of the iphone does not have the antenna to get millimeter wave 5g yes that's correct only iphones sold in the u.s uh have millimeter wave 5g nowhere else in the world uh has it at all uh we may have the better infrastructure but apple is denying us the use of this yeah you're as surprised as i was when i heard about it but you get used to it after you've ground your teeth down a little bit so now wait a minute now if i buy a u.s iphone here and like ship it to you does it have the right bands to get the millimeter wave that's in uk and europe uh, or good does point i don't believe so the last thing i read on apple's support documents was it has to be a 5g phone uh, bought in america used in america um in fact, actually, uh, even for an American owner who travels to Europe, at least for a while, Apple is saying you're going to lose this because it says uh, internationally 5G isn't rolling out all that fast. Uh, your phone will probably just switch back to 4G for it. So maybe they're just dissing the rest of the world's 5G infrastructure. <laughs> um, but now I know what might be in the iPhone 13. Yeah. Right. Wow, that is very strange. There's got to be a reason for it. They can't just be punishing us for leaving Europe or something. But um, 
I know. Well, it, well, it's strange too because there was some people asking. You know, there's a patch on the side of the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro mm. under the sleep button that everyone was wondering: Is that could that be Touch ID, but unannounced, or what is that thing? And for the U.S. versions of the iPhone, it is the 5G antenna yes. patch to get that 5G antenna. So, and five phones that go to other countries do not have that patch, and so that is. Very strange. Obviously, in the in the event, it was kind of weird because Verizon's CEO is on stage, and I don't know, like no, it's been a long time since an Apple event had a carrier on stage where they like Tim Cook shared stage space with them. So that was weird. But yeah, there was not really talk about five G in the world. It was really just about like five G and Verizon's amazing network. And that was it. Which actually I can understand because uh, for all the years of Apple being bashed for not having 5G, right now Tim Cook gets to come out and say 5G is brilliant, but he can't actually prove it because it isn't in enough places and it's excluded in certain iPhones. So at least getting Verizon on to say it was almost like, look, seriously, honestly, it's going to be great kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, 5G, we always thought was going to be the big tentpole feature for this release and that Apple was doomed if it didn't bring it out in time. But then by the time we got to this stage, uh, 5G is not enough uh, for it. So they had to do what they could do to make it sound worth buying, I thought. Right. Uh, very strange. Well, we will share what we can. I know Andrew's going to do a video, hopefully, where he gets some 5G speeds. I'm going to try and capture some in Orlando on AT&T to see what that looks like. So I'll put a link in show notes also to those carrier plans from Verizon and AT&T that specify which ones have 5G. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Have you ever wondered why internet access at your home is so much cheaper these days, like, you know, 30, 40 bucks a month? That's because internet service providers like Comcast, Spectrum, or AT&T, they aren't just making money off your subscription fees. They also make money from selling your internet activity and browsing history to tech companies and advertising companies and make a profit from that. So what's the best way you can make sure that 100% of your data is encrypted and that your internet provider can't get a hold of it? That's right. It's ExpressVPN. I love ExpressVPN because it creates a secure tunnel between your devices and the internet. So all of your online activity and traffic, the websites you visit, everything you do online is fully encrypted. It actually reroutes your internet connection through a secure server and it blocks your internet provider from seeing everything you do online. All they can see is that you're connected to an ExpressVPN server and nothing else. And that's not just for your phone or computer. I run ExpressVPN on all my devices, my iPhone, my iPad, my Mac. You can even get it on smart TVs and even your router if you want to make sure your entire family is protected all the time. And I also love ExpressVPN because it is so simple to use. You open up the app, Tap the big button, and that's it. You're connected to the VPN, and you can just leave it connected. And that's on any of your Apple devices. Your data is your business. So protect it at expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider. Visit expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider to get three extra months of ExpressVPN protection for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode. Last point on 5G specifically, because I was wondering this too, what the indicator in the top right corner of your iPhone, what is it going to say when you're on 5G? And apparently, the indicator is going to tell you what the best available connection is at the moment. So like Verizon 
they have a 5G tag when you're in a 5G network. And then there's a 5G with a little U and a little W for when you're on the ultra wideband, super fast connection. So your little symbol on your iPhone is going to tell you the best available connection, but that's not going to tell you what speed you're actually pulling at the moment. So I don't know, to me, a little annoying. Like I wanted to know if I see something in the corner, that's the network I am on. You can do something. Uh, You can go into settings and override all of Apple's default systems to say, look, 5G all the way for everything. And then if you're in a 5G area, that's what you're getting. And that is what it means. But you'll lose hours of battery life. So, (laughs) Right. Two hours, in fact. Wes and I joked last week, I totally want to see a Verizon iPhone 12 mini on ultra wideband playing a multiplayer game on full brightness. I just want to know <laughs> the hours of battery life or the minutes of battery life that we'll have because uh, that would be hilarious. But yes, that is the smart data mode settings that will be on the new iPhones where you can force it to take the fastest speed no matter what. And that is one of the things in the new carrier plans, like at least in the AT&T plan that I had to move to, there is a higher data cap for high-speed data. And you know, here in America, unlimited data is in like infinite air quotes because the unlimited is like, well, unless there's a busy network and then we're going to throttle you or unless you go over 50 gigabytes of this and then we'll give you, we're going to drop your speed. So on the new plan, what I could tell is you get 100 gigabytes of high speed data and then AT&T reserves the right to throttle you for the rest of your billing cycle or whenever they need to, Mm. quote unquote, and you'll never know when that is. But, you know, 100 gigabytes, if you're pulling... 2000 megabits per second or two gigabytes per second that would go pretty fast if you're trying to download seasons of a tv show so remains to be seen how how useful again 5g is in practice keep your eye on appleinsider.com and we'll try and let you know where to find it how you can use it and also i'll include it in this week's show notes as well but i did include links to the 5g coverage maps from verizon at&t and t-mobile in the podcast article and in the show notes as you listen to this podcast and i will also put the list of cities that both carriers at&t and verizon are claiming have their ultra wideband network and they both have different lists of cities so you can check out the list of those cities to see if you're on it in show notes or in the article on appleinsider.com slash podcast so to talk a little bit more about magsafe There's been some cases, third-party stuff coming out. One really big point of interest, a lot of people went ahead and just backed this, is Peak Design. Peak Design makes their well-known like backpacks for photographers and videographers to hold lenses and cameras. Popular backpack. They came out with their first iPhone case, which is a mounting system with MagSafe support. And so it's a case and tripods and mounts and Peak Design uh, is making it all MagSafe and all that. So I'll put a link in show notes if you want to check out that. And one other interesting fact about the MagSafe puck in general, it actually acts as a regular Qi charger, even if you're not using it with an iPhone 12. So if you plug that MagSafe larger puck, the new one, into a power brick, you can charge your iPhone 11 on that MagSafe charger because it's just normal Qi charging. You'll only get seven watts as opposed to 15 or seven and a half watts, I think. But you can do it. Actually, there's a video from Basic Apple Guy on Twitter and he shows his iPhone 11 on the MagSafe and you can see it start charging. So you can charge your Google Pixel. You can charge whatever device you have that is Qi charging. You can actually use the MagSafe to charge those as well. It's not that it only works with MagSafe supported iPhone 12 and cases, just so you know. 
happen. Are you getting a, a MagSafe charger? Are you excited about that? Uh, well, actually, you just made me more interested. Uh, I am looking at it. Uh, I figured, do I really need it when I have a key charger already? Um, but if, it, if I can just swap out that one for this and use it to charge. I'm keeping my last phone, the iPhone 11 Pro, because I use two cameras on things. I've been able to charge. I did not realize that I could charge them both on it. So that's made it suddenly much more tempting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't suppose we know when the... Um, uh, the Duo is coming out, Apple's thing that charges the watch as well. Uh, I'm quite intrigued by that. But uh, last I looked, yes. there was no date and definitely no price uh, for it. Yet. Yeah, no, no date, no price. But yes, I'm very intrigued by that as well and would like to check it out. But that should also work with like AirPods. Right. So if you want to get that Duo charger where you can charge your phone and watch, but then if your phone's not on it, you can throw your iPods or you can throw your AirPods on it. That seems like a very tempting device. Very small, sleek. So yeah. I think rumors have said November-ish for that. So maybe oh, you can... November for the charger, November for the leather case. Apple's waiting for me. That's what they're doing. That's right. Okay. That's exactly no point until William's got his phone. That's right. We want William to experience <laughs> everything that it has to offer. And so that is, that's <laughs> yes. exactly it. Well, uh, one other article that I'll put in there too is there was a teardown of the new iPhone 12 with a video. And you can kind of see all the innards of the iPhone 12 and how that's been constructed. I always find it so fascinating, just the minute and tiny components in these phones and how they're all packed in there. So I'll put that article in show notes. It's pretty interesting. Now, one other feature I wanted to touch on because there was some confusion about this in the last weeks, but Intercom, the feature that was announced with the HomePod Mini and they said was coming soon, is now available-ish. So if you have a HomePod from however, whenever you got your HomePod. The update for 14.1, the HomePod operating system, is available. If you go to the Home app on your iPhone, you go to Home Settings, and then you go to Software Update for your devices, you can update your HomePods, and you can actually use Intercom on your HomePod right now. But some of the confusion was 14.1 also came to the iPhone this past week, and it was thought that maybe Intercom will be available on the iPhone as well and on all the devices like Apple advertised, but that is not the case. That is probably coming with iOS 14.2 in a later update. It is on the betas right now, so if you're on like the public beta, you would be able to use Intercom on your iPhone. But if you're not doing any betas and you're just on that public release cycle for whatever the you know newest public iOS and HomePod OS, you don't have it on your phone, watch, or iPad yet, but you can do it on your HomePod, and you can tell your HomePod, hey, dingus, uh, send a message to the kitchen, say it, and then it will broadcast it in the kitchen. You could say send a message to everyone, reply, and you can do all that, but it's only on the HomePods themselves. So have you tried this intercom feature, William? I didn't think I had, but the moment you just said that, I realized by accident, yes, I have one HomePod in my office. It's right next to me now. And uh, this morning I I asked herself uh, to play everywhere, (laughs) a Fleetwood Mac song that I particularly like. And it said, yeah, right. Well, we're playing everywhere now. And it was obviously trying. Uh, I kind of what it was trying to actually play, what the tune was. It wasn't the song I wanted, but it was really happily telling me it was playing everywhere and i suppose it was on on all of my one home pods um i think that's what it was trying to do <laughs> it suddenly makes sense yeah it's it's interesting i'm in my house you know we have several home pods and with kids i'm curious to use it uh this way they can ignore the home pod saying come for dinner rather than just ignore the parent uh so you know it'll give them an opportunity for that 
but curious how it works in a large home. Did you have a use case that you were kind of excited about intercom and trying it out? We do joke in this house. When we moved into this house uh, 20 years ago now, it was so much bigger than our old one that we used to joke that we needed a kind of Star Trek style tap the badge and talk to each other just to find each other. And I suppose this would be it two decades later when... Uh, we've kind of er eroded the floors and the walls enough that we can hear through them anyway. That's an image. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll put links in show notes to that, the intercom features and how to set it up and all that. But you can do it, HomePod only, right now if you're on the regular public releases. So one last bit of news, and I know William is very sad about this, but Quibi, the streaming platform made for mobile devices, released an app for Apple TV, and the very next day, announced that it's shutting down. So as, as we end the show today, we are saying goodbye, Quibi. We rarely knew you. Okay. Okay. Let us just examine this <laughs> as I'm stretched out on the couch here. And throw, why, why do you feel that I would be upset about this? Um, I, I am actually more bothered than it sounds. I mean, they tried something and it failed, and, and that, that's got to be a shame. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't like it when I tried uh, Quibi myself, uh, and I... I've, I worry when your focus is on the length of the show rather than the show, I think you lose out in the drama. There are reasons why uh, comedies tend to be half an hour and dramas tend to be an hour. Uh, I mean, I know we're kind of programmed over the years, but things feel fall more naturally into certain things. And when you instead say, nope, it's going to be this length and it's only 10 minutes long, uh, it's a problem. I mean, there are examples of this before. I just, you know, TV geek here, Quarter Life uh, from the makers of 30-something and My So-Called Life. Very successful uh, online in, I think it was 15-minute chunks, and they put them together to make hour-long episodes, instant cancellation. And Battlestar Galactica, Blood and Chrome, same thing. It worked in 10-minute chunks, uh, but then you put it together as one program and it fell apart because the structure kind of overrode the story too much for it so mm. yeah I, I, I they tried and they tried really hard and i think it's a shame it failed for that reason but as a viewer as a, a drama writer i i'm not unhappy i'm afraid yeah and it's you know obviously people probably losing their jobs in relation to this so that's very sad you know i don't want to listen that yeah but it is kind of a perfect storm as in the negative side of a launch quibi launched earlier this year amidst a pandemic which you would think might help an entertainment platform. But the problem is everyone was home. And so their main feature was this is media made to watch on your phone. But if everyone's having to stay home, surely they have a TV or an iPad or something in their house. And if they're going to put something on for the heck of it and they're home, they're probably not going to want to hold their phone for 15 or even 10 minutes. They have a TV there. And so because a lot of people were stuck at home in the last nine months, I feel like that was probably a big factor. And also 10 minute chunks of content. There are a couple other huge platforms that kind of have the market on that. I mean, YouTube being one mm -hmm. and TikTok, while it's not that long, because of the rise and popularity of TikTok, you know, if you're going to have a younger person watch a piece of entertainment on their phone, they're going to go to TikTok or maybe YouTube most likely. And so it seemed like it was trying to put itself in a niche that was already taken and also really hard to fill at this, you know, in this kind of climate over the past year. So I know they're still trying to maybe sell some of their content rights and some of the stuff that was already produced maybe some of the shows that have already been released but they can go to another platform but unknown at the moment but yes quibi is gone oh and one other thing that uh, is gone now too is the uh, apple tv remote app 
which I know William is also very sad about. Well, I guess I'll see. I, a couple of weeks ago, somebody was asking me about this, and I was truly surprised because I control Apple TV through uh, Control Center on the iPhone, and I actually right. concluded that I must have that Control and Control Center because I did happen to have the remote app, and I just thought, well, how fortunate that two years ago I got around to doing this. <laughs> but now they are separate things, and they always were, and. Uh, it's just so handy to swipe down, tap a button. Yeah, I'm... That's right. I don't miss it, I'm afraid. And a pro tip, if you want to use a Siri shortcut. So I've actually got an IR Blaster. If you listen to the HomeKit Insider podcast, you would hear my story about this. But I have a SwitchBot Hub Mini, yes. which can control a TV. And so I now have a Siri shortcut where when I say, Hey, Dingus, turn on my TV, the TV turns on. The Apple TV wakes up and my iPhone automatically goes to the remote controller uh, at the end of the shortcut. So if I say that one command, I can just pick up my phone and the remote control is good to go. So if you didn't know that, that's actually one of the Siri shortcut commands. You can have your phone go to the controller and control a specific Apple TV. Because that's another thing is sometimes if you go to that control center Apple TV and if you have multiple Apple TVs in your house, it's hard to tell at a glance which one you're connected to. And you might have to like tap the top, select the other Apple TV. But with a Siri shortcut, you can have it control the exact Apple TV that you are wanting. So just a little pro tip there at the end for series shortcuts i have to say i i have so many shortcuts that do so many different things but the one thing about your one there is uh it ends up with a device pushing a button at the end and i've just got this vision <laughs> of ropes and pulleys <laughs> and some sort of that's rude Goldberg rube Goldberg that's exactly yes you know so it's a rube Goldberg. yes i would love to do that with a bunch of switch bots but that's just too much <laughs> it's too much well thanks for listening everyone we would love to hear your feedback do you have a new iphone 12 or 12 pro in your hand at this moment as I speak. Thanks. I don't know, I'm sorry. I'm Tell Stephen, not be, me. Tell Stephen. Yeah, <laughs> don't mean to rub it in. Well, you can tweet at me. You can also tweet at William, but you can tweet at me. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. We'd love to hear what you got, what you think, what you're looking forward to. Are you waiting for that Pro Max? Get that big sensor, better camera system. Let us know. You can check out links to everything we talked about in the show notes. Austin Mann's iPhone 12 Pro camera review, all the MagSafe stuff, the teardown links to 5G, those carrier plans and the 5G maps. Check it all out in show notes. Don't forget, we appreciate all of those who have given us a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts. There's been a few of you recently when we really appreciate it. And if you haven't yet, it would help out the show. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review there. And if you'd like to hear about my SwitchBot saga and about those smart home devices and all HomeKit devices, check out HomeKit Insider, the other podcast on appleinsider.com. You can search for HomeKit Insider in your podcast player of choice or go to appleinsider.com slash podcast and you'll see it there. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.